Harrison Price for Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. And if you're heading downtown for anything over the next few days, play it safe. Make it a staycation. Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Mansa Kers alongside Blake Price, Grady Sassett and Switches, conducting things with intern Lachlan Irvin. Big show coming up, and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. And at Applewood Auto Group, they would ask you to take your inquiries to Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall. Fabulous deals on some all-timers in the Nissan lineup, like the Rogue and the Leaf. The 2023 Rogue Finance from 3.99%, plus there's a winter tire offer attached to it. You buy a set of partner brand winter tires, get up to $170. bucks. you get that same deal on the 2024 Leaf, which you can finance from 5.74. Go take them for a test drive right now. Applewood Nissan in Richmond. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today, who deserves the most credit for the Canucks turnaround? Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, Rick Tockett. You can vote at Sikharrison Price, Twitter, and YouTube. And Jim Rutherford spoke with Patrick Johnston, and we'll talk to PJ later in the program about that. I voted Tockett here. Number one, it's hard to identify Alvin and Rutherford and who's most responsible for what. I mean, Alvin does most of the general managing, as we know it, and Rutherford signs off and communicates it to ownership. And don't get me wrong, they have done a exceptional job this year. You take a look at the additions, Bluger, Suter, Lafferty's, Adoroff, Susie, Cold, DeSmith, and how well they've played. But I voted Talkett just, A, because the managerial split there on the vote, but also just the way he's had them play this year. I mean, they're the only team in the National Hockey League without a three-game losing streak. Some of these guys in the bottom six and the bottom part of the roster are playing above and beyond their talents. And as, you know, we've been tracking for most of the year, he is the Jack Adams favorite. There is a very good chance that Rick Tockett, who's already representing the Pacific Division and the Canucks at the All-Star Game, is going to be your coach of the year. So I voted accordingly. I'm I'm going to... In so many other ways with this organization, we've always said it starts at the top. Right. So I'm going to be, I, I think in the early voting, I'm in the minority here, but I'll give it to Rutherford because yeah. he assembled the team. Um, he made all the tough decisions uh, about what this team needed and green lit the guys to either make the decisions or maybe help them out with some ideas of their own. So, hey, I, this doesn't belittle what Tockett and Alvin have done, particularly Tockett, who is in charge of the boots on the ground. But I'll get I'll go no. all the way to the top. We like to blame the top when the when it's going bad. So I'll I'll credit the top when it's going good. That's a very sensible course of action, and in part because you know the one thing that became crystal clear with this franchise is that the ownership group has a lot to handle. It takes a lot of messaging up. Yep. And patience. Oh, <laughs> of Job. Yes. <laughs> so no, it, it's one of those poll questions where I could understand a vote for any of the options. I mean, honestly, I think Alvin is the um, toughest one to come up with a tangible argument because we don't know the division well, of labor between him and Rutherford. But uh, he's you know. ultimately the one carrying out the actions. He's probably making the phone calls. overseeing it, right? Mm -hmm. And But are you telling me Rutherford's not making any phone calls? Bologna. The, he is absolutely no. still making phone calls. No, but I think the, ma the general manager is the ultimately the one who's going to be the one 
executing that deal, he is giving talk at the players to build that team identity with. And he's the one out there communicating it both to the fans and to the coaching staff and dressing room. He's mm-hmm. speaking more now, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Having said that, my vote's still talking. Yeah. But, and this is why we don't put all of the above, because that would win in a landslide oh, for course. a poll like this. Rutherford to PJ, it's a credit to the players and the coaches. Guys came in ready and worked hard in the summer. They've executed talks planned, and most things have gone right. You always hope you were at the top, but no, we didn't think this. Uh, good honesty there for Rutherford. Because, and that's following up, of course, on his comments on the eve of the season. Everything has to go right, and really, everything has gone right. For the Vancouver Canucks, tremendous health. We've talked about that, how their star players have not missed games this year, how these additions have come in and fit mostly seamlessly. I mean, I know there was a discussion about Connor Garland and more on him in a moment and that third line, or at least the bottom six earlier in the season. But because of that Bluger, Garland, Dakota Joshua line, we have really ceased having that conversation, frankly, it's transferred a little bit here recently to Kuzmenko and Mikheyev with their more recent outages. The defenseman they brought in, and Susie's been hurt a couple of times, but he's been a contributor when he's been in the lineup. Ian Cole has been indispensable, and Casey DeSmith, like he earns them points when Thatcher Demko needs a blow, reinforce the defense in season with Zadorov. They've gotten more goals out of Sam Lafferty than I think they could have expected in a a half season, so... Role players matter. Yeah, it, they really do. And um, getting role players to play the way that Tockett wants them to play. Like, I mean, you know, I'm just amazed at how many guys you can go down the list and say, yep, they're doing exactly what this head coach is asking for. Really, the only discussion we're having here in terms of a guy who's not like the others right now is Andre Kuzmenko. Well, it's a good segue into... Uh, some Connor Garland talk here uh, mm-hmm. as he gets set to face his former team. Connor Garland could have some gripes here, theoretically. Mm-hmm. He's, he's especially in, in Arizona, he played more in a top six role. I would say in previous years as, as a Canuck, he's played in a far more prominent role, particularly with the man advantage, um, an opportunity to put up more points. Um, his point totals are down a little bit, but they're not, ex- they're not off the table. Um, and he's uh, he's actually got good point totals for a third liner, if we still want to call them that. I mean, I, I think they're the 2B liner or something to that effect now. But that line has been a revelation. And I don't think there was much um, anticipation or expectation for that line. Look what they put up. We're going to hear from Garland in a second, but he did some interviews yesterday or this week. And with regards to the trade rumor on the eve of the opener, he said it was disappointing because it wasn't true, especially when it happened. We were just in cap trouble. They had cap trouble, could only ice 18, 19 guys. We had to move some guys to ice a roster. I was one of them, so I switched representation to help them in that situation. Did I want to go anywhere? Absolutely not. Got leaked in a certain way that I asked for a trade. It stunk, so I went to the leadership and I told them it's not true, and they all understood. I told them I don't want to be a distraction before the first game. I was just as happy as anybody when we won 7-1. Now, I don't really understand why you would make a life de- decision, especially with an agent you had been with since boyhood, on the eve of the season because of a rumor to help a team with a salary cap 
matter. I mean, that part just doesn't compute for me, Connor Garland. But he went on to talk about, you know, the fan base is great. And, you know, he, like so many other players, says, look, I just live my life here. You know, I'm not as visible as Pedersen or Hughes. And anytime anyone does come up to me, it's usually a very positive experience. So um, good on him to address a number of matters. He was also on the Dropping the Gloves podcast with John Scott, part of the Nation Network that we here at Sakaris and Price and Rinkwide have been a part of since the beginning of November as well. And Garland credits Tockett coming in last year and having those 30 games as a big reason why they are where they are here and now. Take a listen. Yeah, we had we had Talk come in halfway through the year last year and implement his system. Um and I think something underrated was we had we had that 30 games to kind of get caught up, and we didn't have a lot of turnover. I know we added some new D and, and a couple forwards, but uh, a lot of us understood the system going into camp, and then the guys that didn't picked up on it very quickly. So that was that was a huge advantage for us coming into the season and get off to a good start. And you know, last year we, we lost a lot of leads, and it, it's tough sometimes when you don't. We don't have uh, something to fall back on. And, and now when we have a lead, we, we, we understand how we have to play. We don't change how we play, but we play. We play in your face and we push two and, and you know, we stick to our system. And it's uh, it's implemented very well where all four lines can get rolled out and play it, whether we're down or up. So it's it's our team to play against when, when we are playing well. So how different is the systems between Talkin and Boudreau? Because you mentioned systems and implementing them and, you know, everybody's on the same page. What are the main differences between these two mentalities? Uh, it's, it's tough. I think, um, you know, both systems were, were good. I just think this one, you know, maybe has fit us a little, a little more, um, how, how our forwards or maybe how our defensemen have to play, you know, our, our, our D zone is, is pretty structured we're, you know, we don't, we don't really give up a lot. And uh, a lot of our shifts, we are in the D zone and it's passed around on the outside, which is, which is a sign of a good hockey team. You see Vegas is a lot like that, how, how they just keep a lot to the outside and a lot of the shots are from the points. Um, but I think our neutral zone has probably changed the most for us. We're, we're much faster coming through the neutral zone. We, you know, we're aggressive. We, we try to stay above everybody and, and, you know, our D move the puck fast. And, uh, that's probably another huge reason we had, we had some D come in that are, that are very, very good hockey players that, are, that have helped us out a lot this year. Yeah. A, a lot to chew on there. Uh, look, I like what he said about the defense suiting the forwards better because let's face it, um, when you play a dump and chase style, effectively your defense starts in the offensive zone because one of the things you're trying to do is make it difficult for a team to go back, retrieve the puck, and get a clear zone exit, which of course was such the issue. So really your defense starts 200 feet uh, away from, from your own goal mm -hmm. because you you just don't score from that area of the ice. So, And with regards to the Tockett system being implemented last year and that giving them a jump start on this season, I'm going to give you another opportunity to address this. Thank you. Again, I've already admitted I was wrong about that. I sat there and thought, okay, it should get you further ahead for next year, but what's the rush with this coach who has never really won anything anywhere and yet I think to me it's indisputable that without Tockett when they hired Tockett last year I don't think you would have seen that was as rare and go as the Vancouver Canucks were 
in October when they got off to that fantastic start. I think for one of the guys that was there, it's an easy thing for them to point to. It's a tangible thing for them to say, ah, that must be why it's working here. But but in reality, but, he's wait. actually just factually wrong oh. about what he says. No, he says, factually wrong. no, hear me out. If you listen to what I'm about to say, you'll say, oh, you are right, Blake. Um, he said, we didn't have much turnover. Go back to the starting lineup versus the Columbus Blue Jackets on there Tuesday. Was a lot of turnover. Nine of 18 players were not under Rick Tockett last year. That, Nine of 18 skaters. That part skaters. is right, but I don't know. But two things can be true at the same time. I don't know how you can continue to be defiant on that point when you look at the fact that there were a good number of players that were there last year who experienced the installation of the Tockett system, and that came out of the came out of the shoot this year playing as well as they did. Well, the biggest surprises, though, are the ones from the role player. We just talked about that. We just talked about the the performance of Suter and Bluger and, um, you know, Lafferty, all these guys. They're the ones that didn't have the benefit of Rick Tockett. They're the ones all on career paces. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, Pedersen is doing what he did last year. He had 100 points a season last year. He's doing it again. JT Miller's amongst the highest top 10 scorers in the NHL over the past three seasons. Guess what? Still there. Mm-hmm. The big changes have not been at the top. No, but the Besser, big changes. Joshua, Garland, Oman, Myers. Like, there's enough guys that I, yeah, I think it's the truth. I don't think it's just a narrative. I, I think these guys would not have been as effective this season without the time in Tockett's system last year. In the end. Somewhat immaterial. The point is, is that it's it's happened, mm-hmm. you know, for the yeah. newcomers and the oldcomers. They both have, gl- mm-hmm. you know, glommed onto the system. And you heard there a little bit of an explanation as to what they are doing that is different um, from Bruce Boudreau. And I think there's... Uh, he showed good manners in not <laughs> throwing yes. the former coach under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have. You could have just said, hey, yeah. there's actually some, there's actually right. duties here. There's actually roles. There's actually rules to follow. Um, and there's, there's a few, you know, a lot fewer of those, I think, in the Bruce Boudreaux system. Back to Rutherford. He told PJ that they have been having the aggressive trade deadline discussions for a few weeks. So kind of echoing what Patrick Alvin said earlier in the week about owing it to the players. Then there was this from Rutherford when asked about Pedersen's contract situation and whether or not that affects them at trade deadline. He said, no, doesn't affect your decisions. We have the player under control for another year. The focus is on what the players should be doing in the games right now. And it's been very good. And I can understand that answer because... You don't want to put the player in a difficult spot by saying, well, yes, in fact, it does have an effect on what we're going to do by March 8th or on March 8th. And don't suspect he'll ever say that, but if he is going to say it, it's likely going to be on the eve of the deadline so as not to put this big, harsh spotlight on Elias Pettersson and even more pressure on a guy who looks like he has chafed even a little uh, about the uh, ongoing discussion for on this matter really just from the Canucks side of things outside of a, a couple of comments over the season from JP Barry. I saw Do you see Elliot Friedman's comments on that? No, today? what did Elliot say? 
he said that he thinks that it'll be the last time the Canucks comment publicly on it because yes. there is a, a growing fear that Pedersen is quite oh. ticked off about yeah, the I, fact I, that this yeah. has come up. I, I can understand all that. Here's the other thing. I just don't believe what Rutherford said was true. And I can understand why he positioned it the way he positioned it. But if you have even the smallest inkling that this could be your last year with Elias Pettersson, that is absolutely going to affect your deadline plans. you got to go for it. Secondly, if you think you can get Elias Pettersson under contract, but it's going to cost you the sun, moon, and stars, that could very well also have an effect on the type of player you acquire because acquiring a player with term and with more money owing could make things very although, difficult for yourself in the summer. Although, Matt, let me throw the devil's advocate. If, you think, if you're at all worried that Elias Pettersson is going to want out in the summer mm-hmm. or push you to the brink where you just have to make a decision, what on earth are you doing trading away a replacement Elias Pettersson in Jonathan Lacrimacki? Like you, you can't trade that guy away. Like He's going to be relied upon in the next two to three years to take over that scoring mantle from Elias Pettersson. So you can't go well, all in. I mean, I guess I would quibble a little bit. One is purely a winger. One can play the middle. Offensive burden. You know what I mean? One is likely two to three years away from even being a top six contributor. But there's a vacuum. You're like, no, where, no. where are you getting the next Elias Pettersson? It's well, best and, acquired uh, in the draft. There's part of me that wonders not necessarily about, you know, uh, long-term how they would replace Elias, but what are they going to do until the Lacrimacki yes. is ready well, to... Presumably that would be part of the return in mm-hmm. a trade if you traded him away. But again, um, all this goes away if Elias Pettersson puts ink to paper. Right. It takes one second. One second. Mm-hmm. On to other NHL matters where a big story coming out of Pittsburgh where Kyle Dubas, who does a bi-weekly radio show in that city, says and was adamant that he has had no discussions on Jake Gensel at all and reiterated that he is using the all-star break as a barometer for where his team is at before he is making any decisions uh, the piece suggests it's going to be nine million plus to re-sign Gensel, which, you know, for the Canucks already have a thirty-year-old who they're paying into his twilight years. I would be really, really surprised if they're in the Gensel ball game from a re-sign him point of view. Now, acquire him at the deadline would be one thing, but I think you're looking more at a rental if this player does in fact wind up in Vancouver, if in fact he's even available by the trade deadline. Uh, This from Dubas after Agent Ben Hankinson, who we know here in Vancouver, represents Brock Besser, represented Luke Shen, talk about how it could get ugly, quote, end quote, in Pittsburgh in a post-Sydney, post-Jim Malkin, post-Chris Letang world. And, you know, to me, that's a bit of a signal from the player's agent that... mm, you know, have to have a second thought about resigning in Pittsburgh because who are my centermen if I'm signing a seven, eight year deal? I know who they may be next year, but the year after and the year after that, it's looking more and more difficult. Or, you know, you just get all the money you can. After almost two decades of the Crosby Malkin, mm-hmm. do you feel sorry for the Penguins at all? No, no. Not, not in the slightest. <laughs> 
<laughs> They've had a very good run there. If they happen to rebuild well, for five to because 25 years, two, that's okay. Two different times in our lifetime, Blake, like the Penguins were absolutely down and out on the verge of leaving Pittsburgh. And then along came franchise savior. First Mario Lemieux and then Sidney Crosby. Along came, like, we're talking put them on the side of the mountain kind right. of saviors. Remember doing a game in like 01, 02 down at the old igloo. I mean, it was half full. It was effectively an AHL team. Yep. And and it was my first time in Pittsburgh at a game there looking around going like, boy, this place used to be like the hotbed of hockey. But you forget when that Ed- those Edmonton was like teams. this too. No. Like it's almost the curse of having the player that is transcendent is that – Anything less than that yeah. feels really empty. Although in Edmonton's case, it was small Canadian market and Canadian dollar and all those worries. And that in was part Pittsburgh, of it. It was sure. just like, you're so horrible. And at one point, it was nobody likes the rink either. Or the rink is outdated. Anyway, should be interesting in Pittsburgh and a number of other markets prior to the trade deadline here. And we're around the time here when... Jim Rutherford likes to act, as we know. He's an early mover. Doesn't mind setting the market. The Dugway so. trade is sort of the mm-hmm. the crown jewel of that move. Connects right? with a five-game homestand here before the All-Star break. Begins Thursday against Arizona. Of course, Saturday against the Leafs. And then they're out on the road in the Eastern Conference into the Carolinas of the world, playing those, well, for us, matinees right after the break. On to football, where shortly after we finished recording yesterday, thir- uh, Wednesday, it came to light that the BC Lions re-signing of Alexander Hollins came with a price, and that was the release of Dominic Rimes. Couldn't afford to keep all of those American receivers. Farhan Laldry reporting that Rimes was asked to restructure his deal. He declined because he knew there would be interest in CFL free agency. And sure enough, he got a very comparable contract to Alexander Hollins and Keon Hatcher from the Ottawa Red Blacks. So he is going back to our nation's capital where he has played before, not before a lovely post on Twitter at Rizzy underscore Renzel. Man, what a ride these past three seasons in BC has been. One of the best cities out there. Thanks to all my coaches and teammates. I'm going to miss you guys a lot. Made a lot of bonds that will never be broken. Thanks to the fans who believed in me and always supported me. Love And you pointed out to me that he makes his home now mm-hmm. in Ottawa uh, based on his first stint there with the Red Blacks. So he's going home. He's going to a good situation. And the Lions not only get Alexander Hollins under contract, but they also re-sign Canadian slot back Javon Katoy, the former Langley Jr. Ram, who gets a three-year extension. He was going to be a UFA next month as well, 27 years old. 57 catches for 807 yards and four touchdowns. Those were all career highs for Katoy. He really had a fantastic season for BC. And look, this is not set in stone right now, but for the moment, it looks like the BC Lions have chosen to get Katoy done to continue being able to start the two Canadian receivers, Katoy and Justin McKinnis, who really came on I love last McKinnis. year. I love him. Now, of course, on in some sets, that's a Canadian fullback playing. When you go to the five-wide receiver set, it's Katoy and McKinnis. And, of course, you'll have Hatcher and Hollins there. 
there is a lot more uncertainty about the ability to continue to play start two Canadian linebackers. Mitch Betts is still a free agent. Of course, he's the big prize, the most outstanding Canadian at defensive end. But Ben Laddick, a middle linebacker, are you going to be able to pay him? You've just paid a number of guys. Your starting Canadian middle linebacker, a UBC and Vernon kid, not one of them. Now, I know they like Ryder Varga, who's been a backup linebacker there, and maybe with Varga and Lacumbo, you can continue to start the two Canadians. I think you also have to be concerned if you're the Lions right now about Josh Woods because I think he's the one guy with a legitimate NFL opportunity. I know Betts worked out for some teams. I'd be a little bit more surprised on Betts. But if Woods got an NFL opportunity to go down to a camp because he's a terrific special teams player, so a lot to be worked out at linebacker there. Can you get Laddick done even after these contracts? Can you get Woods done? Is it just one or the other, and can you continue to start the Canadian linebackers? You're going to have to change the ratio a little bit. Now, one of the things they did yesterday that's going to help them, regardless of who comes back, is they were able to sign their first-round pick in 2021. Defense alignment Daniel Joseph, who played at both Penn State and NC State, tried his hand at the NFL, wound up in the XFL, fourth overall pick. Uh, a bigger defensive end may have to beef up and slide into defensive tackle, but might be able to s- spare Betts some snaps at defensive end if, in fact, Betts is is coming back. But a, a good Canadian depth piece here with a lot of potential in the defensive line for the Leo. So a very busy 48 hours for Neil McAvoy and Rick Campbell in the Lions' den. It's a shame they, had, they couldn't run it back a little bit more easily. Like, there's there's... There was a lot of big-name free agents here for them, and uh, considering how they played last year, you would have liked a little quieter class of, of uh, graduating class of player. But, um, you know, c- cutting rhymes out saves you a bunch of money. How much does it spread out, I guess, is the question here in the end. Yeah, and uh, how, of course, are you going to structure the ratio? The good news is, is that the Lions had tremendous Canadian depth last year. Yeah. So if you do have to drop a Canadian starter somewhere that is going to be available to you and it looks like in most of the spots where they want to start a Canadian again with the Matthew Betts thing pending cuz as much as you love David Menard, his hustle, his work ethic and all that, he's 33 years old now. He's not an every down defensive end. Joseph would have to be immediately up to speed um with the 3 down 12 man game. Uh, to give you those quality stats and and look, you know, Menard's a terrific hustle player. Joseph has a lot of potential, but neither of those guys is Matthew Betts right now coming off the edge, and that was a big part of your defensive success last year, being able to get that pass rush wherever Betts lined up. Some big news by the sounds of it in the National Football League where Josina Anderson, NFL insider, Reports that barring a snag in negotiations or a future development, I'm expecting Bill Belichick to become the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. His previous rapport with Falcons CEO Rich McKay created comfort he can't mimic in any other building with a current vacancy. We knew that Arthur Blank was a fan and that Arthur Blank had already interviewed him. Uh, there was some reports in Philly that Jeffrey Lurie, the owner there, had no rapport with Belichick, was not a Belichick guy, and was not going to go there if he fired Nick Sirianni. 
Uh, in terms of the other openings, well, by the way, that, that, that's a huge city, but it's a terrible sports city, and uh, it's a franchise that's sort of been dying on the vine right now, like the, uh, on the field at least. Uh, I, it's it's going to be weird for Bill Belichick to be out of the mainstream to some degree. No, it's true. It's it's very much an NFL B market. It's a B market, mm-hmm. despite it being a huge city. Like Just it's, haven't had a lot of success as no. a franchise. Of course, most noted for blowing a twenty-eight three lead in the Super Bowl, and and not that. I mean, he, and no quarterback there either. That's the thing. He's not walking into a situation like Desmond Ritter is effectively Mac Jones. You need to fix quarterback. There is a lot of talk about Justin Fields being acquired by the Falcons, the Atlanta guy. If Chicago's going to still, the first that's still not plug and play. No, that's still not fixing or no. solving quarterback. I don't dispute that Fields could give you more than what you got there out of that position this year. Well, I think the other thing here is it sounds like the Chargers are set on Jim Harbaugh. I think that was the situation we'd heard Belichick tied to them. Washington, they've hired a GM, and they've given the GM the keys to the kingdom, and he's a very credentialed guy who's worked in the San Francisco program, has won uh, Super Bowls, Andrew Peters has, with the Denver Broncos earlier in his career. And if he doesn't have the rapport with Belichick or if it's going to be a scenario where it's the GM calling the shots and the head coach reporting to the GM, I can understand why he's not in Washington. There's still a part of me that was waiting for the headline, Giants fire Brian Dayball, hire Bill Belichick, just because of everything he meant to that organization as a defensive coordinator of two Super Bowl teams. And he has reverence for the Mara family, the owners there with the Giants. And then Dallas bringing Mike McCarthy back, and wow. Stunner for me. I feel so terrible for those Cowboys fans. Shout out Karen Sermon. But Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel available, and Jerry Jones chooses to bring back a head coach that he can puppeteer. To me, that's all that decision was about. If you bring in a Belichick, if you bring in a Carroll, a Harbaugh, suddenly you have a guy there, much like Bill Parcells years ago, who had an influence on Jones when he was a younger owner, whose drumbeat you have to march to a little bit. McCarthy is very much just going to march to your drumbeat. I saw somebody do a deep dive on this, though, and Dallas Cowboys head coaches aren't turned over very, very quickly. Like no, they're not. He is not a knee jerk fire the coach guy. No, like he, he who's he had there? Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, Bill Parcells, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, Wade Phillips for a bit. Right. Um, the the short ones are are Gailey and Campo, right in the same Campo, right, right in the Chan same uh, vicinity, ninety eight to two thousand two. Those are the only guys who weren't given leash. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, particularly the first three, obviously, in, in Landry, Johnson, and, and Switzer, lasting a long time. Garrett ended up having a decent career there. He was almost a decade there with the Cowboys. And it's only been three seasons for, for McCarthy. So, you know, I, I, I given that's a Super Bowl champion, I think the fact they're holding him is sort of trends, uh, you know, tracks for, for what they've done in the past. Yeah, I, I I don't know how you watch that playoff game and think Mike McCarthy is our guy. Because you're a good enough roster to be a playoff team. To me, that is unquestionable. I, I thought Dallas's roster this year particularly 
uh, when Trevon Diggs was healthy before he was lost for the year. I mean, I, I thought it was arguably the best in football when you went through the starting 22 and some of the depth guys. Do you know he's got more playoff wins and a better playoff per win percentage than, McCarthy? than Tomlin? McCarthy does, yeah. yeah. Well, Tomlin's in the playoffs every year and falls short. So, right. yeah, stands to. And, of course, he had a heck of a Green Bay team with That's uh, the thing. Aaron yeah. Rodgers at one point. Anyways, there you go. Um, as for the games on the weekend, which one uh, most has your eye? San Fran, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo. Of course, this is the new Brady versus Mahomes. Yeah, thing. that's or Brady versus Manning, Mahomes versus Allen. It's hard not to say that that's the answer. Uh, I've, I actually have heard two different conversations with groups of friends and family of what are we doing for the Bills game? And I'm just sort of thinking, we're just calling it the Bills game now? Like, yeah. like Well, it could be yet another scene, right? Like winter continues. I, I guess. But no, I think it's more just about the matchup. And, yeah. And, oh, sure. And, sure. And, and right down to the Swift, Taylor Swift <laughs> right. part of it. Like, I mean, it's. It's that's a big game. That's a big playoff game for a number of reasons. I think I'm, I'm going to keep a half an eye on the 49ers and Packers too because for sure. um, who, do the Packers have any chance of being a Cinderella team here? Mm, I think so. A puncher's chance. The way Love's playing, you've got a, you've got a quarterback yeah, there. I yeah. mean, you're going to have to play very well defensively against an offense that's got terrific di- diversification and. Is going to keep you off balance, but I, yeah, I mean, the dirt those, tro- young, those young skill players in BC in Green Bay are growing up week by week. So you know, could a couple of them make big plays on the weekend against San Francisco? And you yeah. got the MVP in the Ravens game. The the one uh, you know ugly one is the Bucks versus the Lions, and I just I could give two shits about that. Like honestly, in part because I just don't believe who wins that game can beat San Francisco. Right. If Green Bay gets the upset. Then I'm all in on that game because I uh, now you're so wide open in the NFC. But the Lions winning a playoff game, okay, that's been charming, done. Yeah. We're, I've moved on now. Don't need to see them anymore. Right. <laughs> Tennis and Felix Auger-Alassim is the only Canadian remaining at the Australian Open in the singles draw. That's the good news. The bad news is he plays third-seeded Daniil Medvedev. Of course. The good news there, did you see this story? Medvedev rallies from two sets down, wins a four-hour, 23-minute, five-setter that ends at 3.39 a.m. local time. In local time, 3.39. Oh, well, I saw, who was it? I think Felix won at 2 a.m. in his first round match. If I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I mean, it's getting to a U.S. Open kind oh, of I was going to say, they're going late into the night, down under, for the television audience around the world. In some cases, you can fall asleep watching the Australian Open, and you wake up and the Australian Open is still going on. I was going to watch the Felix match last night because it was originally scheduled for 10-10 or something like that and just kept on getting... nine at one point. Yeah, was yeah. it? Yeah. But kept on getting punted, so then... Um, Went to bed. Menu today brought to you by Greta. Fantastic spot to catch the game throughout the season. A quick walk to the Rinker Stadium, a go to spot for food, drinks, fun before, after the game. Make it a game night at Greta 50 West Cordova or a GretaBar.com. Welcome, Matt. Coming up on the Canucks. 
getting those feelings again, that electricity, that crackle coming back to the city and Rogers Arena. We'll talk to Patrick Johnson. Topics include, well, his conversation with Jim Rutherford, whether they'll take a big swing at the deadline, uh, Elias Patterson and his contractual situation, Connor Garland, and how much they trust this defense score. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter posts. Rob Williams on shiny helmets. Are we getting shiny helmets here before the end of the month? Saturday against the Leafs, maybe? On the best offseason additions on Rick Talkett. He's due a contract, too, alongside Elias Patterson. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Can you feel it? The Canucks are back, baby. It's been a long and wandering road since 2011-12 when Vancouver had the best team in the NHL. Along the way, many dropped off the bandwagon, and the franchise brought more shame than sizzle. But with a five-game homestand starting Thursday before a very Canucky All-Star break, the market is once again buzzing over hockey. Canucks enter this homestand tied for the most points in the NHL, seven better than the defending Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific Division. They have the largest all-star game contingent with a club record five players plus head coach Rick Dockett attending the festivities in Toronto early next month. Now, we always knew the Canucks had the most connected and one of the most passionate fan bases in the league, but it really showed out in all-star voting, getting Thatcher Demko, JT Miller, Elias Patterson, and Brock Besser to the game to join Captain Quinn Hughes. I mean, Demko ran away with the goaltending vote. Landslide. The Leafs are coming to town Saturday for a matinee, and for the first time in years, their fans are having trouble prying tickets away from the Canucks faithful. Heck, it's even hard to get a ticket to the Coyotes game. Communities engaged, the op- optimism palpable. Not even Pedersen's uncertain contract situation can get him down. At least not until trade deadline, maybe the draft. But put those springtime plans on hold. The Canucks will be in the playoffs, and there's nothing quite like this city or any Canadian town when the local team is vying for the Stanley Cup. Time to get excited, Vancouver, because even a January Thursday nighter against the Coyotes. We used to mock this game. Feels like an event. So welcome, Matt, for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at scarisonprice.com. You can text 778 778- 402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, I'm at Sakaris, at Sakaris and Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Great Clips, 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all of them proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Sakaris Price from Wall Center, presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Infinity in Richmond. Richmond Automall will be exact as the beautiful 2023 Q50 with financing and leasing from 0% plus no charge. I repeat, no charge. Winter tires. Seems time. Check it out. Applewood. Infinity. In Richmond. It's all good at Applewood. 
Poll question today, who deserves the most credit? Patrick Galvin, Jim Rutherford, Rick Tockett. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. We will put it to our next guest. Blake, when we were organizing the time of this yesterday, Patrick was under the delusion that school would be in. As a former teacher, he should have known better. Of course, <laughs> this was going to be a snow day. It had yeah. snow day written all over it. Peach. Oh, Matt. How did you get that so categorically wrong? I'm like, no, no, no. Team Mollus, they'll be at home tomorrow. Matthew, let me tell you. Responsibilities. Let me tell you how it used to be. (laughs) First of all, teachers and kids used to make an effort to go to school. Now they look outside and go, "Nah, not today." I mean, I had like you know, I I grew up here, right? I know how it is. I can like recall like I don't know two snow days, and one of them when I was a kid. One of them was because the boiler at the school broke. So, like, they couldn't heat the school. Um, Right? Yeah. But, like, when I was teaching, like, I don't know if people remember, like, January 2008, I can tell you this specifically. January 2008, my first year subbing, um, it was, there was this incredible snowstorm, like, the first week of January. And we came back. And I drove out to McRoberts. I was living in Vancouver. And I drove out to McRoberts in southeastern or southern... Richmond. I drove across Richmond and the snow, let's put it this way, guys. The snow is sticking in Richmond. So you know what that means. <laughs> but it's below sea level and it's sticking. It's real snow. So, yeah. And you know what? Uh, like, I answered the phone. The, the Linda, the lovely the lovely ditch pat, uh, dispatch person for the Richmond School District called me. Patrick, are you able to get anywhere? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Great. Where do you want to go? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, I agreed to go to the furthest school I could think of. But anyway, Drove across Richmond. Things were fine. Went slow. Saw a lot of people fishtailing. No idea what they're doing. People sliding the snowbanks. I just went, you know, the old Corolla got there. Corolla. Nice. I drove a Corolla. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, you know what? They used to stay open, but apparently not. So there you go. I think early teachers are mandated to drive Corollas, in fact. Uh, Yeah. 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 You're allowed to drive anything else. My father used to get so offended by the notion that we couldn't go to school. Like the boiler, uh, the boiler. So put on a coat. What's the matter? Two coats. What do you mean they're not taking the kids today? I've got to deal with them. This was a grievous failure of all things government and and bureaucracy when it happened. Anyways, snow day, second in a row. Uh, So plenty of time for people to read your terrific Jim Rutherford piece. Yeah, in the province, and Jim. for those for those who missed it, uh, I, I've got some notes here I'm going to ask you about. But what was the highlight? Is or uh, the uh, well, the unreported thing, the unreported thing, of course, being that Jim, we, you know, I texted him. Could ch- oh yeah, let me just get see if I can get the office here. And you know, he lives in Dunbar, and I grew up in Dunbar, and I know very well about getting out of Dunbar on a snowy day. So you know, we bonded over that, and then he told me shoveled out the sidewalk, turned around. The snow was still falling. Felt like he hadn't done anything, but good for Jim getting up, good and going. No, I think what stood out was was the point that I made to him. I said, "Listen, the 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 risk is the game, right? Like you're gonna lose. The odds are is that you will you will not win, right? You make all this effort, and it was all for naught." And I looked, like I said, I looked at the, and I think I've mentioned this here before. I looked at Toronto, Tampa, who knew they were gonna play each other, and that one of them was gonna lose, and both of them pushed their ships in last spring. 
So, you know, and he said, yeah. And then look at Boston. Like they pushed, the, they built up their team and they lost too. And they were the, like this historic team. So the, the, the point is, is that, is that you, you, you do your best to make things happen. You make your team as strong as possible. And then I said, you know, so does that mean adding some players? And he went, you know, he, he was sort of cautiously, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, they they they're gonna see what they can do. I really think they're gonna they're gonna take some big cuts, and we'll see if they connect on anything. But the electrical fence is still around Wheelander and Lacrimacki. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I and I point back to the last time I talked to him, which was before Christmas, um, and and he noted the challenge to come with the cap with the OEL buyout and. Um, that they need to manage their way through that. And one of the ways they're going to have to manage their way through that is they need their prospects to hit. They need LeCarrie Mackey. They need Lelander, probably, you know, elite, other elite D- DPD. They need him, you know, they need those guys to land because they'll be cheap. That's how they're going to manage their way through this. It was, you know, even without talking about what happens with the big Elias Patterson, what have you. So, yes. Um, well, one of the things he said, uh, we've been having these discussions, meaning, you know, getting aggressive at the trade rep deadline for a few weeks, at least three weeks about where we could go. We feel pretty good with where we're at. Now we're here and look at how our players have performed. What else could we do? And of course, Alvin told Ian McIntyre earlier in the week, you know, he felt like perhaps they owed it to the players um, to push all in here. So you've got two different members now messaging and it sounds like laying the groundwork for big swing here at the deadline. No. Yeah, I think would you be that's... at this stage of the game. Would you be disappointed if they don't uh, take a big swing at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, they know they have to build. You know, you have to build this team up. Like this has been a top topic that uh, that we've we've had for a few weeks now. You know, that you build from the top, you push guys down. This is the Mike Gillis lesson that you know you add guys, you add Chris Higgins to your third line, so Rappi Torres can be on your fourth line things like that you know obviously the canucks need to find a guy i think really do need to find a guy that can play on the second line whether that's another winger or that's a center um elias lindholm i think you know is a player that they would be interested in um but how you make that work is complicated because you have in you still have inefficiencies on your roster some of them they made themselves you know kuzmenko being one um i don't think they expected you know no one expected it to go as badly but the guy hasn't scored in what 10 games like you know it's not even a question now of of effort it's a question of production and you're yeah. the guy to score and the guy's not scoring the two goals against san jose other than that it's nothing but zeros uh before before and since let, let me ask you this i put this to uh, our guests yesterday with where they're at with Pedersen and to a lesser degree chronic but of course Pedersen being a most sensitive file could you bring in a ufa or rfa and immediately sign them or is that tempting and flirting with ticking off your best player yeah i mean i i uh i don't know i i think you play that you play the situation as it comes i think you rather just add the guy say here's our team um you know the connects have made it clear to Pedersen that they want to sign them right yeah that, the pile that, of cash is sitting there mm-hmm. it's, it's not going no, anywhere yeah there's blake, no blake disagrees yeah. uh patrick in case you were wondering uh yeah, the pile of cash is there. Exactly. Like, tell us when you um, want it. Yeah, and I, ta- you know, I've talked to a couple. Of people. I, I actually am not sure what he knows. You know, I'm not sure mm-hmm. he knows where he wants to go with this. I was talking to people about this yesterday. You know, it, 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 I, it's a big, obviously big choice for your future. Like, what do you want to be? Where do you want to be? I get it. 
and there and he doesn't have like the, the, the Canucks want to get it done so they have certainty but there's also you know they do in the end point out themselves there's no rush here right like we do have this player under control for another season now I don't think they'll actually go that way if they think there's any chance of him walking away um but it's it's it, it, it they in the end, the player does the player it, it is on Pedersen. Like Pedersen's choice is what will determine all this. And as yet, he has not shown any sign one way or another. Rutherford told you uh Pedersen's situation doesn't affect uh their decisions. Uh and he used the we have him under control for another yeah. year, which is more and more a trope right now than anything else. Yeah, Cause you sure. get to the draft and you're qualifying him. Then you're staring down the barrel of hell. You look desperate. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you believe him there? Because a, if you were thinking of adding a player, but unsure what Elias Pettersson, you know, status is, then you may not have the, wherewithal if you sign Pedersen to right. re-up the player. And then secondly, if you think there's any chance that Elias is leaving, I would think you've got a big dice roll. Also, the Q's eight this, and a half. The, if you sign him, it's 12. So it's a it big swing. Qu- eight and a half? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I go back to the, the base premise of what my conversation was, was that, you know what, when you have the moment is there, you take the moment. And I think, I think they that I, I I do basically buy them on that point, which is like, listen, we're trying to win right now. We'll deal with that when the time comes. Um, if they can win it now, I mean, Pedersen, look look at how the player's playing. Was just what Rutherford said. Like, look how well he's playing. Um, that's what we're focused on. He's playing outstandingly well. So we're going to try to make something happen. He went into uh, uh, he went yeah. into last night as the NHL leader in goals, even strength points, game winning goals, points, and plus yeah. minus for the calendar year twenty twenty four. Yeah, like that's someone to build. Like that is the, that's what you do. That's what you build around. You know, any any team. Like, I went back and looked at that Carolina team from 06, which was an incredibly old team. Like that was you. You will not see a team like that partly because of just how the cap has changed everything but also just about how we understand how you know when players are actually in their peak that was an incredibly wise old team with two very young stars like eric Stahl had an incredible season i think people forget how amazing and kind of out of nowhere his his season was there in 95 96 and then justin williams you know and then and then you just go down the list they're just all these guys and then they added basically added a second line in mark recce and doug wade um and you know talk about pushing guys down you know they already had rod brindamore they had eric cole they had you know the, the and you look at the defense like that was a wise old defense you know brad hedekin uh aaron ward all these guys in their 30s and you know that's not going to happen but you still looked at they looked at this young two young stars they had and said let's go you know and and rutherford has told me this in the past he so he everyone said doug wade's going to be the guy and it was january he said well i'm just going to go get doug wade i'm not going to why why would we wait why not actually get this guy here here now and they had a strong finish the season so you know that that to me is all that they're focused on is that kind of lesson looking to the past and how you add on to this team i mean you look at the 2015-16 penguins rutherford went out and traded for phil kessel in the summer Right. And, and, and in the end, he also changed his coach midstream, but like he was building that team way in advance of the trade deadline, you know, adding a few depth pieces here and there, but he went and got the guys that he knew he needed when they were available. So 
Um, whether think, whether think, the star's under contract, I think, is immaterial at this point. Do you think he's okay with the defense? Uh, you talked about the defense there, which wasn't like spectacular because it was old. Yeah. Uh, in, in Pittsburgh, it was relatively uh, yeah. no name. This, I think, from an outsider standpoint, I mean, they feel like names to us because we've been around it, but right. probably to the outsider, it does seem like a little bit of a no-name defense. Yeah. Um, and yet, it, they're, we know because we watch it every night, they're playing okay. You know, yeah. they're not world beaters, but they're playing okay. But do yeah. you think they trust it for the playoffs? Well, I mean, both those seasons in Pittsburgh, especially, yeah. you know, he added defensemen, right? He added Mark Streit, and Mark Streit barely played in the playoffs. Right, like they went, they went for a bunch of guys that could help no matter what. They got Justin Schultz, he played a big role. Ron Hainsey played a big role. Um, Trevor Daly, you know, like they, they, he went and said, he, the, 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 the trend is there. I mean, you think back, as silly as it might be, an example, but think back to the Tanner Pearson, uh, Eric Branson trade when he was still in Pittsburgh. Right, like, like he needed a defenseman. Eric Branson didn't stick in Pittsburgh, but he traded for a depth guy that when he needed a depth guy, right? Like the, 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 the pattern from Rutherford has always been have more defensemen than you need. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, right now they kind of do, uh, but surely they would like another one. I don't think it's any mistake that we keep hearing that they're interested in still in Chris Tanev. Um, I don't know how you assemble it all, but, you can find a way. I mean, there's, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning were what, 10, 10 million, $12 million over the cap. Um, people love screaming about that. You know, there are ways to figure your way through to that so that you can get the maximum roster possible. Are you but, suggesting a, mm, a a late injury for the Vancouver yes. Canucks? Blake has started to muse about this. Are this you suggesting speech? that? You never know. <laughs> Tyler Myers has got a little bit of a ding. We're gonna need to shelve him till game one, something mm. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you need listen. a big salary. Yeah, yeah it's got to be a big salary, and, and right. So, Andre Kuzmenko turns out has been having a leg problem all year. Right, that tweak is really starting to act up. His bothering him. Could be Um, can you make heads or tails of this? for me from Connor Garland yesterday that he did not ask for a trade. Um, we were just in cap trouble. They had cap trouble, could only ace 18, 19 guys. We had to move some guys to ice a roster. I was one of them. So I switched representation to help them in that situation. Yeah, why is the other like, guy? Can you incapable? speak Garlandese on this yeah. for me and, and and explain to me why the Vancouver Canucks in a cap pickle would get you to change your agents to quote unquote help them, but it's not a trade request. I mean, I do wish I'd been there I, again. Snow yeah. day yesterday, so stuck at home. Right, but I I do wish I'd been there just to see him. Say this sentence. Like this was uh, with a straight face, apparently. I, oh I, yeah, always, always. I've been, you know. Like, well, he like, said listen. he went to. He said he has since gone to leadership and told them it's not true. He said they all understood. He was happy that he was not uh, a distraction before that seven-one win on opening night, <laughs> and that he lives his life here happily. You know, and when people do stop him on the street, it's very positive, which is always the case. Like the one thing that we have heard from every Vancouver Canuck of any stature, yeah. probably, uh, you know, with yeah. Roberto Luongo somewhere at the top is every time I get stopped in town, it's 
hugely positive. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I, it's yeah. not like angry Canuck Twitter fan no, walks no. up to them on the street and starts berating them. The cyber this is just no, that. Of course yeah. not. It's yeah. starstruck. Yeah. It's wonderment. They go on yeah. up. They're hope sheepishly in most cases. They hope for a photo or an autograph or, or yeah. just a moment, a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Listen, I, as I think I wrote at the time, I, I, I said, I, you know, I don't think he ever necessarily said, I want out. But it, it had been clear for some time that he would be amenable to a trade. Yes. <laughs> but well he, would, he would not be upset. Yes. Hey, I think deep down, as much as that line's been cooking, I think he probably thinks, this is me without top six true top six line mates yeah he probably thinks he is a little bit hard done by him although i'm sure he's having fun winning honestly he's yeah. like from from where this season started and through that huge outage of however many games it was without a goal to sit here at the 44 game mark i think we can all agree that Connor garland's having a heck of a season oh yeah yeah like he always he he kept working kept working kept working like like the right the, the character is always there like listen nothing that's been said here is is a knock on the person like the guy who shows up and goes to work mm -hmm. and, and <clears throat> doesn't let stuff phase him um yeah absolutely and and it's been a great season for him he he is playing his role perfectly that he's been asked to do um you know, I look. He got some PP one time on the on the on the road trip, right? Like that to me was a point of there's a player who really is things are going well, and I'm uh, yeah. I, he he's on a line that's humming. He's having fun, um, and you know, like they what was it? They they hadn't lost three games in a row all season, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, right. and yet Quinn Hughes basically saying, like, yeah, well, I thought we could go seven and all on that road trip. They step on the ice, they think they're gonna win, right? Like there there are there there any person who's ever been on any team at any level knows how fun that is. If you've ever had that experience, no matter what the level, you know how fun that is. And when this is your job and this is what they do, um I I can't imagine these guys will ever no matter what happens this season, I can't imagine these guys will ever look back and say there was a there was a better experience than this year's team. The way BCIT no. floor hockey intramurals, yeah, uh, exactly. The puckerazzi, as we were called, um, nobody could beat us. As soon as we set foot on the on the floor, <laughs> Ryan Rashog is our faithful uh, rover. Um, <laughs> we weren't losing; we just weren't losing. We loaded up a house league Thursday night basketball team with guys from our high school team one year, and we kicked everybody's ass, and it was so much fun. Uh, two more Vancouver Westside baseball U sixteen or whatever. Oh, it was listen to this. That was just, right. No, we literally sat there. No, it didn't even yeah. matter. Like we, had, that was a fun team. But there was a day I remember we all realized, and one guy said, "Hey guys, you know what's really great about this team? None of you guys are assholes. Oh, <laughs> really? Awesome. We yeah. had the best time. It was just a good bunch of sixteen year old idiots. We had so much fun. Yeah, exactly." Before we turn into uh, Springsteen and little Stevie here, sitting around talking about glory days. Um, answer the poll. Rutherford, Alvin, talk it. Who deserves most of the credit uh, on the coaching and managerial side? If you can distinguish, Patrick. I think I think it is talk it just for the preparation and the the assembly of it all. Um, and the the sort of the mental approach the mental aspect that he's brought to brought to this that 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 player centric that 
high levels of emotional intelligence, how to talk to people, how to listen. Um, you know, he took a, a team. Obviously, Alvin has hit some real home runs, um, has a misfire in Kuzmenko. Um, but but Talkett has taken what has been handed to him and has made a very fine set of pottery out of this clay. Like it's it's mm-hmm. there's a lot there. Um, but you know, it, in the end, it is about assembling it all and, and being able to do that. And yeah, I think Talkit is absolutely the story here. We'll put you down for Talkit. Um, lastly, we understand your dad is a mighty walker <laughs> on the streets to Vancouver daily and oftentimes <laughs> listens to this podcast. Well, what's his name? Richard. Richard Johnson, thank you for the support. I hope that the uh, boy's done good. I hope he has. He doesn't have to walk around that bus I saw on the wow. boulevard at Dunbar. I don't know. Here's I, the thing. Here's the thing. When you're a walker and you're starting from Dunbar in this weather, yeah. be very, very careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he, he and Jim or Jim. Well, no, it's a game day. I've been told Jim Rutherford is very focused on game days, but it's uh, maybe tomorrow or maybe yesterday. I don't know. Maybe they were bonding over shoveling the streets of Dunbar yesterday. He's focused. It's game day. Is he playing? It's game. He is. He's 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 on the old goalies, man. Okay. Watch may, out. May take the skate. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com. I'll leave us off like at NFL, your Super Bowl 58 pregame lineup. From Las Vegas, the national anthem, Reba McIntyre, country legend. Okay. Here's the one that gets me. America the Beautiful. Post Malone. He likes to croon every now and then. Could you imagine tuning in from some far-flung place in this world? Don't watch a whole lot of football, but it's the Super Bowl. So you're watching, and you're watching the pregame, and you see a guy with face tattoos singing America the Beautiful. That beautiful's got all sorts of different meanings. I don't know the Reba and Post. May I call you Post? Um, I don't know that they would hang out a whole lot. No, I I wouldn't think they'll be uh, schmoozing in the green room. Uh, Andra Day with the Lift Every Voice and Sing as well. And, of course, Usher is your halftime show. No Green Day. No, it would appear not. No. Did, you, did you see they performed in a New York subway station? Oh, yesterday? did they really? Yeah. I'll say this: they did a heck cool. of a job at Great Cup. It was a fun concert. It was a really good, it was job. A really fun show. Fabulous job. Mm. At J Jones twenty nine or nine, pardon me, Jonathan Jones, uh, NFL reporter, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin quote: "Good morning. In a better mood today. Anybody got any contract questions? Oh, good for Mike." Tomlin, Good for Mike. Tomlin admits he could have handled himself better with the post-game question, but also says he wasn't in that mindset, in that venue, to discuss his future. And, and I can get it from Tomlin's point of view, and I also get it from the reporter. Your season's over. This is the first opportunity to ask. Who knows what he could say? You don't know the answers, which is why he asked the questions. And, and good on him for making light of it, and good on him for taking on those questions at this time. I'm totally fine with him not answering the question um, in the post game. Yeah. I would have liked him not to storm off. Well, not storming off, yeah, which he's accounted for. Yeah. Took responsibility. Yeah, like because you, the other the other thing there is you ask that question is where you sort of have to pick your spot. This is kind of the difference between um school book journalism and, and real practice. When you ask that question, there is the risk of him 
not necessarily walking off, although I, I suppose that was the case, but also changing the mood, changing everything. There could well be people behind you with game-related questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you got to try to get it near the end when the right. game stuff's exhausted. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I always waited like, okay, did Coach just say, and again, was there a question there that was similar to another question? Because once you get into that vein, yeah. then you better ask quickly. Yeah. Is he going to storm off on anything? Because we, we could very well be wrapping up here because <laughs> some people weren't ask, listening to the questions earlier or just needed to ask it their specific way. Sorry, Coach. I was still in the room there. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, yeah. Have you addressed? Uh, yeah, I've been asked twice. <laughs> uh, don't miss that part. Coach, how are you preparing for the weather in Detroit? Um, it's Dome Stadium. It's indoors. Yeah. yeah. At TSN Hockey. They're calling it Goalie Week at TSN Hockey. I guess it's their response to uh, Hockey Day in Canada. Historically, it has been one of Canada's strengths. Now it's a national question mark. Has the goaltending pipeline in Canada dried up? Royal Commission. And I'm here to tell you folks, no, it hasn't. Oh! His name is Gabriel Daigle. He is 17 years old with the Victoriaville Tigre in the QM uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Six foot four, 225 pounds, a 2025 draft eligible prospect who has a first round grade on him. So there you go. Given how long it's going to take the NHL and the NHLPA to get its act together and actually get to a best on best Olympics, it could well be the 17 year old Gabriel Daigle who is starting in goal for Canada the next time we're best on best under the Olympic rings. The truth of the matter is, is there actually are some Canadian goalies that are doing okay this season. we got a circle Grady in here. But I just don't think anybody believes in those Canadian goalies that are mm-hmm. doing okay. So Grady, at the beginning of the year, it was Aiden Hill because, of course, he had led Vegas to a Stanley Cup and had some... Great success. He's just injured, but his stats Early are great for season. what he's played this he's year. He's hurt now. Yeah. Connor Ingram's there. Martin Jones has got 922 no. save percentage. I'm it's Ingram. Not even in the no, 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 but no, no, Ingram... no, no. This is you're playing into exactly the narrative I'm talking about. There are Canadian goalies that are performing well. Nobody believes in them. Nobody believes in Martin Jones, even though he's got a 922 save percentage. Do we not believe in in well because Martin Jones is more journeyman. Ingram's made a significant upward turn here and he's young in his enough career. You, and is yeah. pretty like that is still not a very talented team in Arizona he's 26 years old and he has really been a catalyst for them and I say turn his career around he just didn't have a lot of NHL reps no. prior to this year no in either Nashville or Arizona oh nothing further from goalie guy What's your topic, man? Whoa. I thought you'd be all what's over your, this. What's your question? Well, the question is, who's Canada's starting goaltender at the next best on best? Carter Hart. Carter Hart. Wow. Okay. Mm. Tristan Jari. Okay. See, again. Delta's Chris, Tristan Jari. Again, the guys that are having okay seasons, but does anybody actually believe in them? Right? Like, Well, but here's the thing. Our skaters should be good enough that we don't need A-plus level goaltending. Frankly, against anyone other than the United States of America. But that's the thing. No, I know. No, I know. 
Th- that's can you get to a final? Can you certainly get to a semi yes. with the goalie? Absolutely, yes, you can. But can when you beat push the US comes to shove, if they've got Hellebuck or Demko at the other end, Luongo making everything. you know a, a late stop, <laughs> right? You know, Brodeur all those years, Wall all those years. You know, like mm-hmm. you need that late stop when you, yeah. oops, you pinch there. A guy's got a breakaway. Can you make that big stop? Mm-hmm. That's what you need. It's on me, yeah. Your turn at the score. DeAndre Ayton will miss the Blazers game versus the Nets. This is last night. Did you see the reason? No. Icy roads. Oh. <laughs> I kid you not. And and you know what? Depending on where he lives, it might be somewhat legitimate. Somewhat. I hear they've had some awful weather in because uh... it's been more freezing rain down there. Right. But he might live on a mountaintop perch. And in fairness, he grew up in the Bahamas, and then moved to San Diego. But I'll say this, Matt: like, let's say you lived school in Arizona, and of course played for the Suns. Let's say you lived in an icy perch. Are Mm -hmm. you telling me you can't walk down your driveway, walk down the street to the nearest safe route, and get picked up by a cab, an Uber? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure there was a way. Here's the other thing: with guys who make like twenty million dollars a year. I would bet they'd send a car for you. But they probably give me I I can't get past this this point. We'll walk to that point. Yeah. Then. Like you're <laughs> like it's it's your it's your job. Icy roads. First time I've ever seen it. At John Morosi, key detail on Yariel Rodriguez. The Blue Jays are among the MLB teams that view him as a starter in the long term. This is a signing from Toronto, a pitcher. Cuban national has been pitching in the Japanese league since 2020, was a free agent with some buzz about him. Uh, Morosi says a hybrid starter slash long reliever role is possible for Rodriguez in 2024. He had not pitched in game conditions since the World Baseball Classic. He's 27 years old. He had been a starter in Cuba before moving to Japan. 188 strikeouts and a 303 ERA over 175 innings. In Japan, Morosi also wonders whether this means Alec Manoa is dispensable and if the Blue Jays will cut bait after a disastrous season for a former Cy Young candidate because they could possibly have some starting pitching depth, much like the Mariners, although both teams have been awfully quiet this offseason. Do you trade at his current value or do you dare start the season with Manoa and see? No, I think you start, yeah. What he's got? Yeah. I think you start the season with Manoa. You also have Tiedemann, of course, coming up, the former Vancouver yep. Canadian. I say awfully quiet. They have made moves. They just haven't necessarily made the yes. uh, big swing moves. And finally, at Shamsharania, the NBA is postponing Friday's Warriors-Mavericks game after the sudden death of Golden State assistant Dan Milojevic. Sources tell The Athletic, Warriors-Jazz was postponed Wednesday night following the tragic passing. Um, Darko, the uh, Raptors head coach, Called uh, called uh, Milojevic a double double machine in Europa League. Uh, he had go- a decorated career as a player and a coach yeah. in Europe. Um, Adriatic League is a pretty good league because it's all the former Yugoslav. Forty six years of age. He was at a team dinner, and he has a yeah. heart attack. No, I know. Way too young. Way too young. I texted with our friend Rick Celebrini, who's of course down there with the Warriors, passing along condolences. What a Terrible, awful scene that must have been. He apparently is also very influential for a young Nikola Jokic. 
mm. as he was coming up yeah. in his basketball journey. Mm. Awful. And then lastly for me, at NHL underscore on underscore TNT. You see what happened last night? So now we'll be carrying the Panthers Red Wings tonight, and our game crew is in Buffalo. So we're doing it live. Not only will Liam Biz, Ace, and Hank be hosting the pregame, but they'll be calling the game from the studio. We genuinely have no idea what to suspect. The game was postponed in Buffalo last night. So good on TNT to pivot that quickly. I went searching for it, but it wasn't carried. Yeah. Callie's yeah. not on my cable package. So instead I watched So they called it off the tube from I, the studio desk. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they have the technology. Yep. And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by Rob Williams, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its Offside Sports Vertical. Rob, the hockey guy on Twitter. Rob, the shiny helmet guy. For the purposes of this heat hit, we were promised a, uh, a shiny helmet in January 2024. Rob, we're running out of days for shiny helmets here. <laughs> a- and how do you think shiny helmets will go over? They've been last second with a lot market. of these announcements. They just announced the Pride uh, game festivities like a few days before. You like think it, that was by design. I don't know. I don't know, Rob. <laughs> the well, I I mean, I, my uh, yeah, I, I was asking about the, the Pride night uh, plans because I was like, because remember last year, like everything kind of got pushed uh, right to the end. But no, I think they they gave it an appropriate amount of time for for Pride night festivities. We are assuming shiny helmets. We all we got was a cryptic tweet with a sort of silhouette helmet, something or other. I I'm expecting blue chrome, but I don't know. I suppose it could be a lot of different things. They could do, you know, they've got the matte black helmets for the skate, so I would imagine they they'd go for another different kind of helmet for the the, the black skate jerseys. So I yeah, I, I'm assuming that we get some sort of chrome blue helmet um they have only played i mean it's we're well into january so it's sort of we kind of forgot about it but they they've only played the one home game early on uh again they went on that that big long road trip of course so my question is well when do we when do we see these new helmets do we see them tonight against arizona i bet you we see it on against the leafs on saturday Hockey night in Canada. Get, Canucks get, get to make a big splash on the uh, on the on the feature game. Um, although I must say, I, I don't know if people have caught onto this. I looked I looked at um, you know the television listings coming up this this weekend. Canucks Leafs is not on CBC. It's it's Montreal Boston on CBC, and you've got to go to Sportsnet to catch Canucks Leafs. So I don't know if they're trying to sell a few more uh, subscriptions there or, or what they're what they're after. Hmm. Downside of both of them being on at the same time, I guess. But uh, <laughs> a little bit odd. Two Canadian teams well, you'd think would play the Canada. A yeah, on they've hockey. Always be, that game is always hey. on CBC traditionally. And it's and it's hockey, hockey day in Canada. So right. I don't know if they're, uh, you know, 
squeezing the public there for a little bit of extra extra money or what they're trying on on hockey day in canada of all days mm. but uh, yeah i thought that was a little bit interesting uh two-part question here number one our poll question who deserves the most credit for the canucks turnaround rutherford alvin talk it and then secondly uh should we be expecting news about rick talk going forward here at least before the end of the season easier to give him an extension before he's won the jack adams isn't it right <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's a close race, I think, with with who to who to credit the most for between Alvin. I mean, I guess I give the credit to the GM for the for the moves. Of course, you know Rutherford's fingerprints are on on everything as well. Uh, I, I probably would have to side with Rick Tockett, though. I mean, just the messaging, even just the messaging going into the off season, which we kind of snickered at with you know like it's going to be a, it's a big summer for this guy, it's a big summer for that guy, big summer for that guy. I mean, you look at like Brock Besser, like clearly something changed over the summer like this is this is a different guy that that came back in september than than who left in uh you know before the season ended he also got besser you know wanting to play for the vancouver canucks again before you know that was before the turnaround he he you know freely admitted that he no longer wanted to be traded um so i I think you've got a lot of those kind of guys you know garland you know reportedly wanted to wanted out and he somehow got him buying into playing on a third line. You know, normally a guy like Garland, you know, if you want out and, and, you know, you get stuck on the third line and you're, and you're playing second unit power play, which rarely gets to play. Um, you know, normally a guy like that gets a bit sour, but somehow he found, found a way to, to get him to buy in. Um, you know, still this defense core, I, I, it's improved, but, is it is it wasn't that improved on paper? I, I don't think. I, I think a lot of the you know we have to credit a lot of the the structure and the habits and all the buzzwords, but I think it's uh, it's paid off. So I'm I'm crediting Talkit and yeah, I, I wrote about it uh, this week. I think he's due for a big raise. He makes two point seven five million dollars. Uh, not every coach's salary is publicly available. I looked at the what Cap Friendly had available. The highest coach's salary they have listed. Todd McClellan, which surprised me, at five million, but Rick Tockett's only got one year left on his contract after this season. I don't think you want to go into a, to next year with a you know quote unquote lame duck uh, head coach, and it, you know certainly Tockett has des- deserved a, a, a big bump in pay. So I think we could see uh, him get a, a nice raise uh, on what he currently makes. Less worry about that contract situation than there is about Elias Pettersson's, I think. And yet our poll question yesterday, there's still over 40% of people saying they're they're not worried at all about the Elias Pettersson situation. But you're a man of the people. What do you uh, <laughs> what do you think is, is happening out there? Uh, all this optimism on the ice, but this amazing stretch of games in particular for Elias Pettersson is people thinking, okay, just make sure that this can happen in years to come. Yeah, I, I don't sense panic necessarily, but I feel like people are getting nervous now, right? Like, and I, I, I thought, you know, the interview that Alvin did with Ian McIntyre, people are really starting to read into different, you know, different quotes from Alvin. And, and in some ways I get it, you know, he's asked point blank, like, does, does he, do you think he wants to, to, to be here? And he didn't get a straight answer back. He didn't get like a yes at the same time, like Alvin, he's slippery in the media, right? He doesn't like to give definitive headline catching uh, quotes, right? So 
so I, I, I think we have to sort of grade it on, on that scale of, of Alvin doesn't like to give, give, uh, you know, bold responses to, to, to questions like that. So, but at the same time, I do get it because we have been given no indication that Pedersen wants to necessarily resign with the Canucks. It's not like, Oh, it's just a matter of time. It's a lot of wait and see. And it's a lot of like, like it, this may be nothing. It may just be, you know, waited out. And certainly this is a fantastic negotiating ploy. Cause like, don't you just feel like the Canucks will just back up the Brinks truck and give him whatever he wants now? Yeah. Right? I mean, even with the fan base, you know, prior to, to the summer, I think people were like, wow, does he deserve 11 million or does he deserve this or does he deserve that? And, and like now I think people are just like, just give the man whatever he wants. Just get, just keep him in Vancouver. So it's a great negotiating ploy. But on the other hand, if he did want out, isn't this how you would act? You just say, I don't want to talk, don't want to talk, don't want to talk. Because you don't want to say, I want out. But you just would push it off, push it off, push it off. We're, so that's the part right. that I no think it, that people are rightly nervous about that. If he does want out, this is how someone would re- who would act in that scenario. Well, especially Rob, in that I think a lot of Canucks fans at the beginning of the year sort of understood the world from his shoes, but now yeah. it's like the team's winning, man. What's the problem? Yeah, you know, now it just feels like a more uh, uh, rejection's the wrong word. It's too strong. He hasn't rejected it yet, but now it feels like why don't you love us? People have uh, responded to us, Rob, saying he said that he wants to be here, and I think about that. And I think when, when, like, when's the last time you we've heard anything from Elias Pettersson along the lines of it's just a negotiation? I, I, I really want to be here. I, I, I think we're probably due for one of those statements from Elias Pettersson if he yeah. wants to quell any of this, uh, this worry, don't you? And I think that that reaction is also part of the nerves. I think people are scared of the Vancouver media <laughs> pushing him away, right? I, I think that people are, 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 they're scared of anything to like turn him off. They don't want anybody, you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't love the, the, the media aspect of it. You know, he doesn't necessarily embrace that, that, that part of it. He, he, he does it, he participates, but I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, that's something we talked about when it was time to pick a captain. I think he necessarily loves speaking to the media and answering all these all these different questions, and I think that, that that's maybe a worry as well. Is when the Vancouver media starts talking about Elias's, you know, his his contract and and whether he wants to be there. It's like, oh no, no like is this going to scare him away? I, you know, I think that's maybe going a little too far. Like like he's a National Hockey League player, like you know, in the public eye. I think that these are fair things to. And ultimately to words are words. Johnny Goudreau said he wanted to stay. Um, and yeah. we know how that panned out. So, I mean, words are just words at, at the end of the day. So who knows? Lastly, Rob, best off season addition as we're just past the halfway point, who would you vote for? Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the answers I thought that Alvin was a little bit more straightforward with was, you know, like what off season or, you know, which one of his additions did he really kind of, you know, focus in on that, that he thought was the, you know, maybe his best one. And he, and he, he kind of singled out Teddy Bluger and it's interesting. I thought that was an interesting answer because I, I hadn't really thought of it. And I thought, well, well, yeah, in some ways, yes. Like, like, I, th- I think the overall additions on defense have been, have 
been really important. I think Ian Cole is, is one. Um, but I think the guy that probably drew the most headlines when they made all those moves on July 1st was Carson Soucy. And Soucy, you know, has played third pair of minutes. He's, he's been injured. He's missed, you know, about half, half the games. Uh, Bluger's missed some time as well. But I thought also Pugh Suter overshadowed that addition. I think many people pegged Suter to be the third line center and, and then pushing Bluger down to the fourth line. Bluger's on pace for a career best year offensively right now. You know, he's and of course on that fantastic line with with Garland and uh, Dakota Joshua. I I think there's a I, for me for me it's a it's neck and neck between Cole and and Bluger and those are also two of their most used penalty killers as well. And and uh, but I, I thought that was an interesting answer from from Elvin. Um and funny, Lafferty leads the new additions in points at 19. Cole leads in minutes per game, of course, as a as a defenseman. He's playing more than uh, Carson Soucy. And Bluger with 30 points. Uh, and sorry, Bluger with 18 points. Suter with 12, both having played 30 games. So that's, uh, that's a real derby there. And, and don't forget Casey DeSmith as well, guys. Like, right, of course. Like he's, he's right behind Demko in terms of uh, save percentage. Like he's been... Like they have not missed a beat when, when DeSmith has been in that. Mm-hmm. Rob, amazing stuff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up next Thursday. Thank you. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Did you get your haircut, by the way? No. No. I'm going uh, mm. to save it and wait for a better day on the roads. Right. I just wanted to get home yesterday. It was still puking. Yeah, no, I know. I just wanted to get home, get settled. We have enough food in the house. We don't need to go anywhere else today. Shoveled the driveway three mm-hmm. times. Three really? Times. Yeah. Rookie move, Price. Why? You no, have that's, kids that's, for a reason. That's a veteran move. A couple move. things. Yeah. Veteran Number one, move. you have children. Number two, you wait for the snow to stop and then you shut. You no, shut you once. Don't. No, you don't. Not in this town. No way. Turns to wet. Turns to rain. Freezes. Disaster. No, no. You shovel when it's light. That's immediately upon falling. You gotta stay ahead of it in Vancouver. Eastern move. No. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You wait. You wait. What are you, wait, what are you go, talking about? It goes up one degree and it becomes cement. You don't shovel cement. Like if you had gone outside yesterday about four or five p.m., pretty much it was done at that point. There was some really, mm. at least where I was, some really. Le- you could have gotten the whole thing done easy peasy. How many driveways have you shoveled in Vancouver? Huh? Zero. How many? Right. But I am a different veteran. world. No, it's different not. world. No, you get all sorts of snow back there. You 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 learned every snow condition. Got to stay ahead of it. Ah, nonsense. Wednesday poll question: Will you? When will you be concerned about Elias Pettersson's contract? The options here were now, at the deadline, at the draft, or not concerned at all. What won the poll? Uh draft. No, not concerned. One. Oh, really? 41%. Draft got 34%. Now 14%. Deadline 11%. Chris, dude says he won't deal with this until the end of the season. And here we are, around the halfway point of the season. He said we'd wait until the end of. And people are legit freaking out and turning on him. It's laughable. He signed last time on October 1st. Yes, Chris, but not by his choice. 
that was a. It was into the season. You're telling me that's the template, and he's mentioned that that he'll never do that up. again. No. Yeah. David, our superstar, our thirteen million dollar man is hesitant to resign. I'm nervous now. How can you not be nervous? Rob the signing guy until he signs. I'm worried. You lose him, everything changes. Elijah, I'm only freaking out if it hits July 1st and he's open to sign an offer sheet. The only comfort in that is the compensation would be for four first-round picks. Here's the other thing. The offer sheet might be exactly what the doctor ordered. You just match it. There's been many an offer sheet to match. And Ajo is the most recent example, right? Yeah. Montreal signs him to the offer sheet. Carolina goes, okay, great. We'll do that deal. Done and done. Then it's done. You know it's and, done. And it's long term. Yeah. Chris, not concerned because starting to envision the haul we get for him. If he doesn't want to be here, bye. If he does great, LFG, either way, not going to lose sleep. That way, bets of the daytime. The Buffalo-Kansas City line is two and a half now. I am... Um, Took the Bills at the beginning of the year to be coming out of the AFC. They've got this game at home. We know Mahomes has never played a pure road playoff game. I'm going Josh Allen, number 17. Circle the wagons. Let's go Buffalo. Bills, minus two and a half. I don't know what led me here today. I thought I would check in on the Stanley Cup winner odds. Oh, fun. Four teams are deemed the favorites right now. Co-favorites? Four of them? Four of them. Four of them. All of 10 to 1. Huh. They are the Colorado Avalanche. Right. Check. Yeah. Stands to reason. Yep. Three Canadian oh my God. teams. Now. And not the three you think. Oh I really? don't think. Well, Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is That was a wild card one yeah. to me. Toronto. No. Oh, Winnipeg? Winnipeg and Vancouver. Vancouver. Oh, All at 10. So, um, I mean, in some ways it's too bad because I think Canadian fans would like that to get a value pick there because, you know, there's not a lot of history of Canadian teams winning the Stanley Cup. Right. But it's uh, indicative. One thing we should mention, betting lines are not designed to be predictive. No. They're designed to get equal action on both sides of the letter or right. across the letter. Yeah. So that that is something to remember uh, as we go forward. But here. the fact that the sentiment would even well, be get, re- but, reach but that what I'm saying point. is you have a lot more Canadians betting hockey. Yeah. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Errors and omissions before I forget because I had one yesterday. I talked about how Pasternak re-signed the day before the trade deadline, which allowed the Bruins to get their trade deadline business done. I mentioned Hampus Lindholm. He was the previous deadline. It was Tyler Bertuzzi at last year's deadline for the Bruins. And Dmitry Orlov. Right. Uh, anything else on your end of things, Grady? Yes, I used the wrong your tweet. But I used the other one. It was supposed to be your possessive. I used the uh, you are your. So I go, I flipped it. Oh, my God. There wow. will be Most lashes. people get it the other mm-hmm. way. Yes. Okay. okay. Good uh, honesty on you, if nothing else. <laughs> detail. <laughs> okay. Good detail. Good detail. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rankwide, and Connects Conversation, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors. You hear us talking about keep it local.